The end of October and the beginning of November marks a unique celebration in the church year. It is at this time that we honor the dead. We start out with Halloween when people dress up like ghosts and goblins and zombies and things that are dead. And it continues into All Saints Day when we honor those saints who have passed into the more immediate presence of God, both those that we knew and were close to and those martyrs and saints that we never met. And then there's Dia de los Muertos, a holiday that is centered around honoring the dead and communing with them in a celebration that is a unique mashup of religious rites, Christian feasts, and secular celebration. These holidays give us a unique opportunity to honor those who have passed into the more immediate presence of God and to consider their lives both here among us and their lives now in the more immediate presence of Christ's glory. So on October 31st, 2021, I preached a sermon called What Makes a Family from the Book of Ruth to honor All Saints Day, Dia de los Muertos, and Halloween. And before the sermon, we were um, privileged to participate in a candle lighting service to honor all of those saints who have gone before. And as we watched the candles glow throughout the rest of the service, we were um, physically, in a way, in the presence of those who surround us, the great cloud of witnesses. And so as you listen to this message and hear what it is that makes a family, I pray and hope that you will remember your own family, both those you are bound to by biological means and those that you are bound to by spiritual means, and that this season would be a time to honor them. We begin with scripture from the book of Ruth for this sermon entitled, What Makes a Family? Reading from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of the, his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Epaphrites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. 
Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you wait until they are grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, even if death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. These are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, create in us new ways of living in you. Redeem us from the bondage of that which so tightly holds us captive, and sustain us along our journey to seek your face. Hold our hands when the path grows dark. Amen. In 1744, 20-year-old Henriette Marie Louise von Heim longed to join the Moravian community in Hernog, but was met by strong opposition from her parents. I would never be able to go to the community without deeply distressing my parents, whom I loved, she wrote in her Lebensloff. Her father, Georg Heinrich von Hein, was the master of hounds for the Duke of Nassau. She was the third eldest from among ten siblings. As a young girl, her prized possession was a Moravian textbook for children, which she carried with her everywhere. She kissed the cover of the textbook often showing her love for things of God and a connection to the spiritual realm unexpected in a young woman of her age. She prayed fervently in secret, often on long walks or at night. She strongly felt the love of Christ surround her and longed to embrace the new community at Hernhog. Yet her parents persisted in refusing to allow her to live among the Moravians. In spite of her staunchly Lutheran upbringing, Marie-Louise longed to join the Moravian Church. She said of the Moravians, These were my people, with whom I wish to live and die. We feel the agony of her difficult decision. Whoever loves father or mother more than me, she wrote, echoing the scripture, is not worthy to be my disciple. Following a deep conviction from this scriptural passage and much self-reflection, Marie-Louise rushed to her room and composed a letter to her parents, explaining her difficult choice. She ran away from home, set out for the Moravian community, and was admitted to the choir of single sisters. Eventually, she became a teacher at the local girls' school and was ordained a deaconess. 
Marie Louise's parents softened, hoping that a six-month stay with the Moravians would help her to realize her mistake, come to her senses, and rescind her dedication to the Moravian community. She never relented. Zinzendorf himself appealed to her parents, promising to love Marie Louise as his own child. She wrote, I left a pair of loving parents, but here it was as though I found a hundred fathers and mothers all at once. What makes a family? In the last few minutes, we've heard the stories of two very different families from two very different situations. The first, a biblical tale of a woman named Naomi and of her relationship with her daughters-in-law, and the second, an 18th century story of a young woman who joined a Moravian community and found there the love, acceptance, and commitment of a biological family. There are themes in both of these stories that enlighten our understanding of what it means to be a family. In the Hebrew version of the book of Ruth, it is clear that redemption is the key concept in the text. We see this idea in today's lectionary reading from the first chapter of the book. Naomi is destitute. She has lost everything of value, her husbands, her sons, her livelihood, her home. In Hebrew culture, Naomi is about as impoverished as any person could be. She has no security, no food, no place to live, no family, no lineage, no prosperity, and no prospects. She laments this as her daughters cry out to remain with her in spite of her destitution. Naomi says, Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Even if God's favor returns toward her and that she has a prospect of security and family lineage, she admonishes the girls to give up on her. Naomi sees herself as irredeemable. Indeed, the biblical laws around the protection and provision of widows in the Old Testament demonstrate to us how very vulnerable Naomi is at this point in the story. She has no hope. Although Naomi is desperate, she's not alone. Her sons had married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. Although the women remain childless even after ten years of marriage, they nevertheless care for Naomi enough to begin with her on this journey from their homeland in Moab back to Naomi's home of Bethlehem, a journey that would take about seven to ten days on foot. But though they are willing to travel with Naomi, possibly out of desperation themselves, these women are not her biological family. Moab is a biblical land that was marked by scandal and animosity. Moabite women were seen as particularly dangerous and powerful, enough so that it was feared they would draw Israelite men away from Yahweh. Moabite women and Israelite women would not have considered each other family. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy even forbids Moabites from entering Israel's religious assembly even to the tenth generation. I'd say if you couldn't even sit in church with your foreign daughters-in-law, you probably wouldn't have considered them to be your family. Somewhere between Moab and Bethlehem in Judah, the women reach a crossroads, and the story shifts from information to dialogue. The question for these women then becomes, where is home? 
And is it home that defines this family? Naomi tries to send Ruth and Orpah away. She blesses them, entrusts them to the care of God, and laments her woeful situation. She commands them to return to their mother's house. After all, she isn't their mother, but rather their mother-in-law. Again, at this point in the story, these women are not family. They are connected, but their connection is rooted in sorrow and loss. The text says that Orpah gives in to Naomi's pleading, even weeping and kissing her to show respect in parting. But Ruth clings to her. We pause here to explore this English word clings a little more deeply. The Hebrew here indicates a type of deep commitment, not unlike that of a husband or a wife to their spouse. In the books of Job and Psalms, this verb can refer to the type of clinging that muscle has to bone. This is not simply Ruth hugging Naomi around the neck and saying, I don't want to leave you. Rather, the action here is that of taking leave of her own family of origin, of forsaking Moab and the family and everyone that she knew there, and declaring loyalty to a woman who is absolutely destitute and hopeless. Even if Ruth's loyalty means venturing to an unknown country, trying to gain acceptance from a group of people that won't even let her worship in their churches, and being loyal to a starving old woman without any hope of, or promise of redemption, Ruth is willing to do it. This is a sign of solidarity. It is interesting that it comes from a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law. The irony of this relationship is one of the gifts of good news that God has for us in this text. What has God shown us here? God has given us the gift of this story of a Redeemer, so dedicated to the idea of covenantal love that she is willing to sacrifice everything to remain faithful to her foreign mother-in-law with no hope and no prospects. This love that Ruth offers Naomi is hesed, another theme in the text, although not explicitly stated here. It is a love that enwraps and protects and covers. It is covenantal love, most frequently expressed as God's love for God's people. This is the kind of love that a Redeemer shows in her willingness to sacrifice everything to remain faithful. This is the kind of love that allows Ruth and Naomi to become family. What makes a family? Redemptive love, all-encompassing, all-enveloping, sacrificial love. Now we turn to 20-year-old Henriette Marie Louise von Hein. Accepted into the Single Sisters Choir at Hernhog in 1744, ordained a Moravian deaconess in 1748, and entrusted with the care of all the girls in the Moravian community there as a choir helper in 1750. Where is the story of family in her life? As we heard earlier, Henriette was born into a wealthy religious family. Her father had a prestigious position, and unlike Naomi, Henriette's mother was full of prospects and ambition. She was a loving and faithful mother. 
Yet Henriette Marie Louise von Hein left all that she knew of home and family to join the Moravian Church. Why would she do that? She says it best herself. I left a pair of loving parents, but here it was as though I found a hundred fathers and mothers all at once. Henriette Marie Louise von Hein left her family so that she might be redeemed into the Hesed, the all-encompassing, all-enveloping, sacrificial love of her Moravian mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. She left the family to which she was tied to by human bonds to join the family to which she became tied to by the bonds of redemptive love. Her story is not unlike that of many Moravians, myself included. Today we celebrate All Saints Day. We honor those we have lost in the last year by the separation of death. We honor our family, both those we are tied to by human bonds and those we are tied to through spiritual redemptive love. This is the story of what makes a family. Redemption. Getting back what was lost. An enveloping, consuming love that never dies and never ends. This is the love we have for the widows among us who have released their spouses back to God. The love we have for our sisters and brothers who have released their children back to God. The love we have for each other as we are bound together as the family of God in this all-enveloping redemptive love. This is the love we have as we get back that which has been lost and as we look forward to the promise and hope of getting back those whom we have lost, one day in the immediate presence of our Savior. Might I speak personally for just a moment in closing? My Moravian family, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, grandparents, children, aunts, uncles, and cousins, those who I now see as connected to me spiritually in the bonds of redemptive love, they draw me into a community of relationship that I don't think I can even adequately describe. I can say that I strongly agree with Henriette Marie Louise von Hein, my sister, when she said, I left a pair of loving parents, but here it was as though I found a hundred mothers and fathers all at once. My Moravian mothers have supported me when I was uncertain of what to do with my life. They have given good advice. They have called to check on me. When I was sick, they show up with a meal when they know I'm having a bad day. My Moravian fathers have always been proud of me. I text them when I get a good grade on a paper or in a class, and they cheer me on. They tell me what might be wrong with my car if a warning light comes on and let me know how far I can safely drive it before I get it checked out. My Moravian siblings have always make me laugh, and they support me through hard times and remind me to keep going when the path gets dark. My Moravian grandparents are the wisest people I know. They point me in the right direction, point me toward God, point me toward the truths that I always knew to be true, but always need to be reminded of. Each one of these, my Moravian family, demonstrates to me what Naomi and Ruth and Henriette Marie Louise von Hein demonstrated to one another. What makes a family? 
a redemptive love that does all of these things and more. A family is getting back everything that has been lost and living in community together in communion with all the saints who have gone before us and with all those who will come after us. It is learning to accept one another with an enveloping love, showing care and concern for one another in a way that makes the world stand up and take notice. It is wrapping one another in the hesed of loyalty and compassion that cannot be expected in other relationships. It is working together for justice and acceptance and an ever-widening circle. It is our God, the God of Naomi and of Ruth and of Henriette Marie Louise von Hein, and the chief of all redeemers, our Lord Jesus Christ, drawing us into relationship and community with one another. No, this is not the definition of family you will find on Google, nor in Webster's Dictionary, but it is the work of God on our behalf. For who is our God, if not the creator of family, the redeemer of family, and the sustainer of our beloved family? Let us be wrapped, even today, in the enveloping love of your beloved family, O Lord God, our rock and our most blessed redeemer. Amen. So there you have it as we wrap up our time together this week. Um, families are bound by redemption over and over again. The process of bringing back that which was lost into a community that I believe is stronger in many cases than the community that binds us together to one another biologically. What a beautiful way that God has allowed us to inhabit that cycle of birth and death and birth and death over and over again. Um, I feel a Lion King song coming on, so probably best to just leave it there before I break out into some Disney singing. And uh, yeah, so just kidding. If you enjoyed this message, hated it, had thoughts on it or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Um, feel free to shoot me an email. My email address is in the description of the podcast, but is dsgmyers at gmail.com. That's D as in Dana, S as in Sam, G as in Goldfish, M-Y-E-R-S at, uh, at gmail.com. Sorry about that. Would love to hear from you, um, no matter what you thought about the podcast. Look forward to connecting with you again whenever I am scheduled to preach or have a message to share but i'm grateful for you and for the time that you took to listen to this message um, and for sticking in there whenever i threatened the lion king sing-along reference maybe that should be a next step podcast episode sometime disney sing-alongs um, because i have to say it is my spiritual gift i know every word to every disney song ever written so you know the lord blesses us all differently anyway uh, have a great week. Have a great day. Be blessed in the Lord. Embrace all of the beauty around you and welcome in the beloved family of God. May you feel surrounded by God's love and grace this day and every day. Amen. <music>